Welcome to Living Water Radio. What do you picture when you think of God? Take a minute. An old buff guy? The force? A kindly grandparent? An absentee parent? Today, we're going to find out who God is, and I guarantee that it will shock you. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm serving a Lutheran church in Monterey Park, California, part-time, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. What do you picture when you think about God? A giant old buff guy sitting on a golden throne? Long flowing beard and puffy hair? A kindly, impotent grandparent who just loves you exactly as you are, acts nothing of you, and who just wants to love you and give you gifts? An impersonal essence, a principle, a generic higher power, the force. Your personal vending machine, who you can ask to give you whatever you desire, but who you can walk away from anytime you want and is otherwise uninvolved in your life. A wise, harmless old guy like George Burns in the movie. Do you ever picture God as being young? What do you think God thinks of you? Does that very thought make you feel guilty? Is God always judging you, waiting for you to get out of line, violent and vengeful, or kindly and indulgent, or unavailable, indifferent, loving, a spying elf on a shelf, watching like Santa who knows when you've been sleeping, who knows when you're awake, who knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, if you conceive of God as any of those things, get rid of them. I'm about to blow your mind. Do you think of God as cosmic royalty? This coming Sunday is Christ the King Sunday in most churches throughout the world. One of the titles given to Jesus at his birth was Prince of Peace. How did he get promoted to Christ the King? This coming Sunday is the last Sunday in the church year, and in it we get to see who God is. The Gospel reading for this Sunday begins like this in Luke 23, verse 33. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. This is where we find out who God is, at the cross. Everyone has a belief about what the world is and how the world works. It's called our world view. The Christian worldview takes many forms, but they are all founded on the belief that the world is not the way it's supposed to be, that human beings messed up that perfect relationship with God and the perfect world God gave us by rebelling against God. We thought we knew better. We still do. And that's why evil enters the world. God sought out people to return to the personal relationship with God for which they were created. Destruction and renewal, slavery and liberation, a chosen people blessed to be a blessing, the religious law, victory and defeat, nationhood, disunity and hope, prophets, priests and kings, and more. Nothing worked, or it didn't work for very long. Then, 
in what the Bible calls the fullness of time, God became incarnate. God came in human flesh, fully God and fully human being in Jesus Christ. And God was rejected by the humanity he came to save, and they crucified him. But they did not take Jesus' life. He gave it. He who committed no sin took the punishment for our sin on himself to restore the relationship with God for which we were created to all who receive that relationship as God's gift. That is our worldview. Our message is our worldview in an increasingly secular culture. Our challenge is that it means nothing to say that we need a Savior if the world doesn't know that it needs to be saved. The cross means little to people who don't know their need for it. But the world does sometimes have a vague interest in God. And what do we learn about God who is at the cross? We are reminded that God's disposition toward humanity is personal. We see God's love in action in God's suffering for us. Where do we see the kind of king that Jesus is? In John 19, verses 1 through 5. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you, to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. We learn that in what Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, called the gospel, the good news in miniature, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. The logo for the church that I am serving now, part-time and in retirement, consists of an open Bible revealing a cross. It is an expression of the Lutheran belief that everything in the Bible points to the cross, and that the Bible's purpose is to lead us to a living relationship with the one true living God in Jesus Christ. Here's how it happens, as the Gospel reading for this Sunday continues in Luke chapter 23, verses 34 through 43. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great theologians of the early church, 
is attributed with the saying, If you were the only person on earth, Christ would have still suffered and died for you. God's love for us is personal, but it is never private. We exist as part of the human race that is now reconciled to God by God in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. When he lived incarnate on earth, he was young. He became human flesh as an infant. He was a little kid, a teenager, and did not begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. He was 33 when he gave his life, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. Imagine Jesus as someone you know who is about his age. Imagine Jesus in occupied territory as a first-century skilled worker at the far eastern end of the Roman Empire. Imagine Jesus on the cross. That is who God is. Humanity is reconciled to God by God. God is neither male nor female. Our references to God are how we express our cultural identity, not God's identity. There is no race in God. And yet, God is personal because God has made us for and given to us a personal relationship with God. That's why Jesus, who was a Middle Eastern Jew, often looks black in African Christian art, Chinese in Chinese Christian art, Latino in Latino Christian art, and European in European Christian art. In James McBride's book, The Color of Water, A Black Man's Tribute to His White Mother, he tells of the time when he asked his mother what color God is. His mother replied, God is the color of water. There is no way to describe God. We can only know what God reveals to us in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God knows everything, God is everywhere, and God is all-powerful. God is always the same, including what God reveals in both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. God is wholly other. God created everything out of nothing, and when I say nothing, I don't mean empty space. I mean nothing. No height, no width, no depth, no time, nothing. God does not exist in any way that we can conceive of existence. That's why the people of God receive this command in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 5a. You shall not make for yourself an idol whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. That's why God does not have a proper noun for a name. The name of something was believed to contain the fundamental reality of the thing it named in Bible times. That's why when people went through some life-changing experience, their name had to change. Like Abraham and Sari to Abraham and Sarah, and Saul to Paul. When Moses asked the voice from the bush that was burning but not consumed for its name, God answered, I am. He gave a verb, not a noun, because it is impossible for a human being to know anything of God's fundamental reality except that which God chooses to reveal to him or her. Who is God? We can only know what God has revealed to us. We see what God has revealed to us most clearly on the cross. How does Jesus reign as Christ the King? 
He reigns as God who empties himself to be our suffering servant and will return in his second advent to receive all who believe, who receive God's gift of himself into the perfection of his kingdom, the perfected reign of God. Meanwhile, we too are called to serve the world in God's name, God's fundamental reality within us, with all that we have and all that we are as servants of all people who God continues to love personally. I spent the summer when I was in seminary doing a quarter of clinical pastoral education. CPE is a program training prospective pastors to do hospital visits and counseling. It's very intense and exposes seminarians to a lot of different kinds of life experiences. The program I was a part of was held at Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. One night there was a humongous thunderstorm, and a lightning bolt hit a transformer and knocked out power to the hospital. The emergency generators kicked in, and all essential services like the operating carols, the natal intensive care units, the respirators, and so on, received power. Almost immediately, the switchboard was lit up with calls from the very agitated air traffic controllers from the nearby O'Hare International Airport asking what had happened to the fluorescent cross on top of the hospital. Pilots coming in for landings had used that cross as a visual reference point as they descended and, seeing no cross, had been thinking that they were coming in from the wrong side of the airport. They were pulling up and flying in stacks over O'Hare. From that night onward, the cross was included in the emergency power network. The cross is our reference point. We see the love of God on it, what God did to restore the living relationship with God for which we were created. It is at the cross that we see who God is. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local or national hotline, reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. 
Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.